Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. It is Wednesday, May the 13th. Got a good show lined up here for you today. I'll be joined by Dave Korzynski, who is the research director of the Angus Reid Institute. We're going to discuss a few recent surveys by Angus Reid, including how 85% of Canadians say Chinese government has not been honest or transparent about the pandemic, as well asked if they would go and sit in a crowd in October or November when it comes to sporting events. One quarter of avid fans say no way. So Dave will join me in just a little bit to go over some of those surveys and get into a little bit more detail and, and break down some of the results and to end off today's show well provincial health officer dr bonnie henry touched on the subject of dating yesterday so it's time for a covid 19 dating version of that's whack wednesday but to begin today's show while well, i am joined by the mayor of canloops to talk about yesterday's city council meeting it is mr ken christian mr mayor how are you today very good. Pleasure to be here. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Always appreciate it. So uh, yesterday at council, um, you know, a number of things were on the agenda, but uh, one of the things that seemed to be, well, one of the things we talked about last week that, of course, uh, you guys discussed again was paid parking. Um, well, what's going on there? I understand that there has been some uh, movement here to try to remove or eliminate paid, uh, free parking as it stands right now. Yeah, the uh, you know it seems even in the course of a pandemic you're going to have a parking discussion at city council <laughs> and uh, uh, yesterday was no different. Uh, the um, initiative initially was that uh, we were going to cancel uh, parking fees in the downtown and we did that and uh, that worked uh, well for a while and then our bylaw services manager Tammy Blendell reported to us that uh, people were starting to uh, take advantage of that. A lot of the people working in the downtown. Or, or living in the downtown core were taking up those street uh, spots, which wasn't really a problem uh, while everything was closed. But as uh, some of the uh, businesses start to reemerge and, and start to offer takeout options and, and reopening uh, you know, their sales floors, uh, it was impossible for their uh, patrons to find parking. So the KCBIA requested of us that we reinstate that, and uh, uh, we did uh, that uh, yesterday with the exception of those uh, drop-off and pick-up zones that we had created. We're going to leave those in place, uh, and uh, hopefully that will help businesses in the uh, start back to uh, a recovery. Uh, we are not going to be charging for our uh, parkades nor our surface parking lots, so those remain a free option for those businesses uh, and those employees that are uh, looking for a place to park. Now, when, when talking about those surface lots and parkades, is there a plan to reinstate paid parking uh, down the line? I know we're talking May 19th for the street parking, but is there a plan to eliminate free parking elsewhere down the road? You know, uh, that was something that council didn't have an appetite to discuss yesterday. So what they did was postpone that discussion until July the 15th. And, and uh, Ms. Blendell indicated that by that time, uh, we'll be able to get some pretty good data on the utilization and occupancy of those uh, parkades and the surface parking lot, particularly on Seymour. So that will give us an idea whether we can do that. And then uh, it would either be at the first of the month, so the first of August, first of September, first October, whatever we decided. Okay. And so this all is going to start as of the 19th, right? So we're talking next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. 
next Tuesday. And, and that, uh, I think it was stated uh, at the meeting, it, it uh, sort of uh, matches with Premier Horgan's restart BC Phase 2. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can start to look at uh, a resume of uh, some normalization within our retail sector. Yeah, I, I was speaking yesterday even with uh, a local hair uh, barbershop owner, and they're you know all everyone's hoping they can start business sooner than later. And these are of course a lot of our downtown businesses that I'm sure a lot of people want to visit. So it makes perfect sense to me to to start having paid parking as of next week, when hopefully we see more businesses uh, start opening up around town. And I imagine for you yourself, you're probably excited to start seeing some of our local economy get back underway. Well, you know, I am, and so is council. And, and uh, you know, one of the things was raised a number of times, you know, that this has been devastating in, in terms of our uh, gross domestic product and, and our uh, local economy here in Kamloops. And unfortunately, I don't think the, uh, you know, uh, return is going to be just like uh, flicking a light switch and we'll be back to pre-COVID days. There's a, a new normal out there, and a lot of the issues are going to be influenced by WorkSafe BC and uh, They've been challenged with uh, making sure the physical distancing requirement is maintained for employees in these shops, and that's uh, not going to be easy. There's going to be some challenges, and there's likely to be some additional costs, and those will, uh, at the end of the day, probably be reflected in prices and uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a a slow build back, but uh, we at least uh, should be uh, heading in that direction. Perfect. And and there was other stuff besides parking that was talked about at council. Uh, one of the things that was looked at was expanding hours for bylaw officers and the bylaw office here in Kamloops and, and extending those hours. Can you tell me a little bit about what was discussed there and why it was felt like there was a need to extend those hours? Well, we have, uh, you know, moved our bylaw services uh, to uh, 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, just because they're they're doing a lot of work now with uh, wellness checks with the street affected individuals, mm-hmm. you know, as well as the regular bylaw work. And uh, you know, as the weather warms up, there's a, a lot of uh, things to attend uh, to. So, you know, they're out there as eyes and ears on the street. Uh, the RCMP have uh, all the watches covered and and are out there. Uh, but uh, it was raised at council yesterday that, uh, you know, because of, uh, uh, you know, a lack of customers and, and consumers and, and uh, general population downtown, the street affected population becomes much more evident and they're more obvious. So, uh, you know, that is something that is of concern and a uh, number of councillors raised that uh, yesterday. It's it's a balance. Uh, we have got uh, adequate shelf, shelter space. Our, our shelters have not been filled to capacity, uh, even uh, with the requirement for the additional physical distancing within them and the the reduced capacity, so uh, you know we we have room, but uh, there are uh, individuals which, uh, because of uh, mental illness or addiction, uh, just are not going to want to be in a structured environment. So uh, you know that's problematic, and that's something that we're conscious of, uh, and and we're working through. And it's more challenging, obviously, for uh, people who have uh, you know mental health and addiction issues to, uh, you know, self-isolate or physical distance within this sort of new normal. Yeah, and I saw that you had actually, I believe, written a letter right to other mayors throughout the Okanagan just on this subject and, and, and having a bit of a discussion around the response to the vulnerable population. And it sounded like you were pretty appreciative of the work that has been going on here in the interior as a whole. 
Yeah, you know, uh, Minister Robinson wrote uh, back to us, and, and we collectively had, uh, you know, addressed the issue with her as mayors of the major cities in the Okanagan, and, and uh, you know, I was uh, pleased with the response, and I'm pleased with the work of BC Housing and the Interior Health Authority and, and the municipal staff that have been involved in these. These are kind of partnership exercises, and, uh, you know, we all have to make sure that, uh, you know, we are being conscious of uh, the uh, special needs of these populations. And uh, I just wanted to go back on uh, one point about bylaw expansion hours. So 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., is this strictly just a COVID policy that's going to be in place, or is that something that could be looked at beyond uh, during a pandemic? Well, you know, it's generally summertime hours uh, because we do see a okay. call for service uh, increasing during that period of time, more activity. Uh, but, uh, you know, you could have uh, 24-hour bylaw services if you wanted to pay for it. The right. difficulty is that, uh, you know, we're losing anywhere between $6 million and $12 million, uh, depending on how long this uh, COVID-19 response goes on. So there is no additional money uh, at City Hall for anything. And so uh, you know, additional bylaw officer time is really not in the cards. What we've done is uh, just uh, altered our shifting. Okay, makes sense. Um, and, and speaking of uh, money and, and council, you know, maybe not having as much uh, around these days to make those um, those those decisions. But uh, you guys did talk about PPE and the need to stockpile here uh, in the community. That was a terrible segue, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, what 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 was discussed around the need to stockpile more personal protective equipment? It's been talked about quite a bit throughout this whole thing that there is a bit of a shortage right now when it comes to the global supply and it looks like Kamloops City Council is at least taking the steps to talk about the need to make sure there is a supply in town when in fact uh, it is needed. Yeah, uh, Councillor Hunter raised the issue of, uh, you know, as uh, businesses are starting to uh, develop their plans to reopen, uh, a lot of that is contingent on uh, WorkSafe BC's requirement for protection of their employees, and that protection involves uh, personal protective equipment, uh, and they're having a hard time uh, sourcing it. And so uh, she was wondering if uh, the city, through uh, our purchasing power and the existing contracts we had, uh, could uh, assist in that. the CAO, Mr. Trowan, indicated that we ourselves are having difficulty, uh, you know, accessing personal protective equipment and uh, that uh, we hadn't uh, really envisioned uh, providing that to the private sector, but it's something that he would look into. All right. Well, something to uh, keep in mind and we'll revisit down the road. Anything else you want to add before I let you go, Ken? No, other than the fact that, uh, you know, we did uh, yesterday approve a number of developments that are going to go forward to public hearing. Uh, It's going to be challenging holding a public hearing without the public or the public phoning in or Mm -hmm. Zooming in or or however we uh, manage to make that happen. But, uh, you know, uh, the business of local government has to continue, and I think council was uh, unanimous in their support to uh, take uh, these matters through to the public hearing process, and we'll see how that works on uh, June the 2nd. June the 2nd. Well, we'll have our eyes peeled on that one as well. Thanks so much for your time, Ken, as always. Really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Ken Christian, mayor of the city of Kamloops. Well, let's uh, take a little bit of a break here. And coming up next, I'm going to be talking with Angus Reid. Yeah, the Angus Reid Institute has put out a number of surveys here over the past week, including how do Canadians feel about uh, the honesty of China? How do Canadians feel about the possibility of seeing sports on TV with no fans? How are kids aged 10 to 17? Yeah, those high school kids, those older kids, how are they dealing with this whole pandemic? Well, all of that's going to be coming up after this. So please stick around. And the Jeff and Jay show will be back in a Jeff.
voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. Uh, it is, of course, Wednesday, May the 13th, and I uh, really appreciate you all sticking in here with me. Um, okay, so I have a bit of a change of plans here. I was unable to reach uh, Dave Korzynski on the phone with Angus Reed Institute, but uh, that's okay. We can make some shifts on the fly here. So uh, earlier uh, in this week, I actually was able to catch up with a uh, comedian here, Lars Kilio. So I'm going to play that chat back here for you here today. Uh, so so, yeah, here's my uh, chat with uh, comedian Lars Kellyo talking about how the comedy world has been impacted by COVID-19. COVID-19 has, of course, reduced the size of gatherings that we can have here in B.C. The limit is 50 people, but that really only applies to those with extenuating circumstances such as uh, homeless shelters and things along those lines. This, of course, leaves it really impossible to have in-person audiences for pretty well anything these days, and that applies to the entertainment industry. And I want to talk specifically here about comedy. It's an art form that, uh, while I'm not very good at myself, I do have a deep appreciation for. And I'm joined on the line now by a man who has appeared at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, has a one-hour comedy special currently airing on the Comedy Network. And he's been overseas to entertain troops four times, and he's also a two-time Canadian Comedy Award nominee. It's Lars Kellyo. Lars, how you doing? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Good. How was that intro? Did, you, did I get enough of your uh, accomplishments in there for now? Oh, I think we, we definitely got enough. Sometimes <laughs> they read the entire bio, and then that's the the whole interview. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, glad to have you here. Thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, I just wanted to start, I mean, getting your experience here when it comes to, to COVID-19 and how this has impacted you. Uh, you know, we, we spoke briefly here uh, through email before we started chatting, and uh, you said you were in Australia, really, when everything sort of hit. So I was just wondering if you could start by maybe taking me through your experience about being overseas when this all happened happen well it was so i had uh, i go to australia do the melbourne comedy festival every year and the the tour has grown over the past five or six years so that it ends up being about a three-month tour of australia and so we we were starting in perth myself and a very funny comedian named ryan short so we were starting in perth australia and then we were headed to tasmania for a week and then melbourne for a month and then darwin and then then off to asia and we had done the first week in perth and we flew to Melbourne on our way to Tasmania. And when we landed in Melbourne, the prime minister had just come on and said, if you are overseas, you need to come home now while commercial travel is still available. And that was the line that got me because I had months of work lined up. And he said, while commercial travel is still available. So we're sitting in the airport with a connection to catch in about four and a half hours. And now we have to make the decision, do we go home and then just cancel the rest of these shows or do we try and you know so this would have been on march 16th we landed in melbourne and we had done the week earlier in perth and so we were i mean really it was such a tough decision because you didn't know if everything was going to shut down at that point and made the decision then called united airlines and they rebooked our flights and we flew we flew back to canada and then everything shut down after that so it ended up being the right decision, but sitting in an airport with four hours to make your decision, man, that was tough. Mm -hmm. So, you know, coming home after that and we, you know, do the 14 days of quarantine and I went for a test and it came back negative. And I feel incredibly fortunate that when I go overseas, I pay all my bills and, and take care of everything ahead of time. So I'm not supposed to be home till mid June. 
So for me, you know, with no kids and no real overhead, I feel incredibly fortunate, but now what I want to do is see what I can do to help everybody else. That's, that's kind of where I'm yeah. at in my brain. Um, so, so, I mean, you've been back for over six weeks now. I mean, what... What is what have you been up to? I mean, uh, you know, comedy, of course, is something that uh, you know, like you said, you would have been doing this probably every day, being in front of audiences or pretty close to for these past uh, five six weeks, and you know that hasn't been an option. And obviously, we can't do that here at home either, let alone across the across the pond. So, what what have you been up to in these last few weeks? I imagine you're trying to keep yourself busy. Yeah, I have a couple of little projects. I had recorded a new comedy album. That, uh, that, uh, that I should be editing right now. And I recorded that in November, pretty happy with the audience. We recorded it in Edmonton. And uh, really, I've been, I've been playing on Twitter. So on Twitter, I, I, I love the format of it and I, I love the cleverness of Twitter. So I have, I, I have been wasting way too much time on Twitter lately. <laughs> um, but a couple other little projects. And then for my own sanity, I put out on Twitter, if, if anybody wants a show in their backyard and you have less than 15 people, let me know. And two people came back and said, yeah, I'd love that. So last Saturday, for the first time in 46 days, I went and did a live show. And it was such sweet relief. Yeah, I can imagine for someone who's used to living in front of an audience that uh, not having that is is tough to go through. And, and, you know, you said you did a couple of these backyard uh, comedy uh, bits that you were able to perform, you know, whether they were, you know, 10-minute sets or whatever the case was. Just what was uh, what was that like for you? I mean, a smaller audience, obviously, but, uh, you know, you said you were pretty happy to just get out in front and do it. But what was the audience response to that? I expected it to be, I expected it to be touch and go. I expected it to be a little tougher than normal. You know, in a comedy club or a, at a comedy festival, you could get 100, 200, 300 people. So with 12 people, with 10 people, I thought it was going to be a tough slog. And those audiences were so receptive. They were so wonderful and so laughy that I put it out that this is how it went. And I put the pictures up on Instagram and Twitter and then my phone just started going crazy. So I'm now booked in backyard shows until the end of May. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's not a bad uh, bad momentum builder right there. One picture, a couple pictures out there in the social media universe, and then you're getting a lot of traction. But I, I did want to ask too, while I have you, Lars, just about you know sort of what your your colleagues in the comedy industry are, are going through right now. I know you, you're doing you're doing okay. You said you know you paid all your bills through June, and you're just sort of um, you know booking some backyard stuff and looking to perform in front of small audiences. But I'm sure not every comedian out there has those same luxuries. I know uh, you know in my experience in comedy clubs I've uh, talked to a lot of people who don't make a ton of money and they're you know you know really living almost from gig to gig so what what, what sorts of experiences are you hearing from your, your comedy brethren right now I mean is it a real struggle well not just in comedy but DJ companies I have a lot of friends who run event companies and DJ companies and anybody with kids anybody with real overhead anybody with a mortgage I mean, things look like we're not going to be able to perform in front of a live audience for who knows, mm -hmm. three months, 10 months. Nobody has any idea. And the DJ companies, you know, with high school graduations and weddings and corporate events, they've really seen their, their industry completely shut down. And if you run a decent sized event company, there really is warehouse space and staff to pay. And, you know, so there's, they're sitting on all of these, all of this equipment, 
And so each Friday we meet with a, with a bunch of different DJ companies and man, they, they have felt this as bad or worse than anyone. And they slip through a lot of the cracks, you know, that because they're self-employed, because they own these small businesses, they're not able to do anything. They're just sitting there, you know, what, how can they reshape their business? You know, we can go do comedy in backyards, but for weddings and for other big events where you'd, you'd normally hire a, a DJ and, and do something like that, it's been really tough on them. So, so I certainly feel for them. There are you know, some good friends that are in, in a pretty tough spot. Yeah, and, and I hope we can see some form of those types of activities come back, right? Whether it even is a small backyard wedding with uh, 25, 30 people in it, maybe we can get a DJ out there for that. Uh, so hopefully we can see some of those uh, those types of events start to happen again in the near future. I'm, I'm ready to get out and start doing some stuff myself. I know everybody else probably is in the same boat, and uh, we need places like uh, we need comedy, we need to laugh, we need to dance. So hopefully we have uh, the ability to do some of those things uh, soon-ish. But like you had said, I mean, who knows? Three months, six months, ten months, it's it's all up in the air, and no one really has any good idea. Um, I, I did want to ask you, too, Lars, you're, you're running this comedy festival here in the Okanagan area. I've uh, been doing it for six years. This year would be coming up on year number seven. Uh, what, what What's the status there? I mean, obviously, uh, like like everything's sort of in limbo right now, but uh, hoping to see that go forward. Do you have a plan of how that could potentially work, depending on uh, how things shift here over the next few months? Yeah, the nice part is we, you know, we started the comedy festival seven years ago, and it's always the week before Labor Day. I brought in an expert. So four years ago, I called a guy named Robert Gallant, who is who runs this incredible comedy festival on the East Coast in Moncton, and he's essentially my boss. I hired my own boss, and he is the captain of the ship, and he has been listening to the premier. He has been listening to the. To, to the announcements and he is he's dialed in and he is such a calming just really in your ear just okay we're gonna wait we're gonna see and so i'm cautiously optimistic that the okanagan comedy festival will go ahead you know we have some great venues we do wineries and outdoor shows so i'm hopeful that it takes place but we really do put put the safety of the public and sounds like a cheesy line, but the safety of the public is paramount. That that's what matters most. And if we can bring a laugh to even a small amount of people, I really, I'm fingers crossed, you know, some, we can do this safely and pull it off because but at this moment we're still a green light and we're just waiting for some announcements from, from the premier and, and from, from some of the other people, and then making sure the venues and the, and the people can make a little bit of money. Um, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful the Okanagan Comedy Festival takes place. Right on. Well, I hope it does. I know just uh, for, for all those comedians out there, the most important thing to uh, make sure you're honing your craft is stage time, and right now you can't get any of it. So uh, pretty critical for, for those looking to make a name for themselves in the industry or even just try it out as a hobby. You need to get on a stage in front of people, and hopefully we can see that sooner than later. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see thanks so much lars appreciate your time my pleasure my friend that was comedian lars kellyo you can find him on twitter at extra lars and again the okanagan comedy fest is still scheduled for august 26 to 30 uh it does have some outdoor venues as part of it so maybe just maybe we can see something like that you know in a little over three months time emphasis of course on the word maybe i know uh, we can all use a laugh i've been uh, binging my netflix going through some of the stand-up specials that are out there but 
you know, there's nothing like seeing a gig in, in person. It's just, it's such a way better experience. So hopefully we can see those uh, in the not too distant future. Um, and and maybe if, if we can't see the big venues take place, well, like Lars was saying, he has those uh, driveway and, and backyard sets that he's been uh, taking part in. So maybe we can see a little bit more of that happening locally as well. I know I would be uh, all all in if uh, someone was hosting a little uh, backyard comedy uh, special, whatever word you want to use. I, I'd be in. So that's my... Uh, that's my hope, was we can see some of that uh, coming up pretty soon. All right, well, let's take a quick break here. Coming up next, of course, it is Wednesday here, so it is time for another edition of That's Wack Wednesday. Yesterday, we heard Dr. Bonnie Henry being asked a little bit about what's going on in the dating world, so I'm going to be chatting a little bit about that next. So stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show and thanks for being with me here today on Radio NL. It is May the 13th. It is Wednesday hump day, if you will. It all goes downhill from here, both in the week and on this show. It is time for That's Whack Wednesday. It's That's Whack Wednesday. Today's topic, while well, it came up during yesterday's BC COVID-19 news conference, and as a single man myself, I thought it was only appropriate that I talk about it here today. The issue of dating during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked about dating and how people should go about resuming any kind of romantic life. And the main point that I got, well, here it is right here. If you are going to um, start a relationship with somebody, this is not the time to do rapid serial dating, okay? So pick somebody, see if it works, and then take your time. Okay. Nothing whack about that. That makes a whole lot of sense, right? We shouldn't be jumping from partner to partner as we try to keep our social circles to a minimum. But how do we do that? How can we actually go on a date? I also will say that, you know, we've seen lots of people outside and uh, uh, one of the people that I, in my life uh, remarked to me that, you know, now that we can't go to bars and clubs and things, uh, going out to the park and sitting at a distance and having picnics, you know, those are the new romantic things people are doing. And, you know, that's an okay thing too. Okay, I can probably handle that, right? A nice picnic in the park, some kind of physically distant walk on the beach or a hike through the mountains. I mean, that doesn't sound too bad at all. But how do you meet people, right? That's that's another question. If there aren't things like bars and clubs and, and those uh, the, the traditional ways, I guess, people would meet, right? The bar scene, quote unquote. Uh, what, what else can you do? What else is out there? Those people that we have been talking to online, these are our opportunities, but we need to, to be very careful about it and cautious about it and, and make sure that we do um, follow the, 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 cons the, the uh, guidance around, you know, cleaning our hands, etc. Okay. I get it. Outside, outside of the online dating scene, though, what else can you really do, honestly? I mean, I guess you can try to walk up to strangers, but you got to stay six feet apart. Uh, I don't know. The whole situation just feels like it's going to be a difficult one for people to really start resuming, right? That romantic life that people want to have, uh, especially for those who are, you know, single and trying to start new relationships. This is really where it gets difficult. The virus, of course, has thwarted any attempts at a romantic outing in the town and any chance for physical contact between strangers. But 
after yesterday, it sounds to me like we can at least start the idea of exploring how to go on those first dates. Because really, that's the issue. It's not about people who have been in long-term relationships, right? Hopefully, those haven't been interrupted by COVID-19, at least not to the same extent that a new relationship would, right? Even those new relationships, hopefully you had a little bit of contact before we were all told to really start keeping that physical distance from one another, and you've had a chance to build some sort of rapport with each other. But, you know, first dates, it's a tough one. Do you really want to take a chance at pulling someone into your circle that you don't know whether you will want to go on a second date with? Um, you know, do you have, do you want to have extended video chats with people before you can make that decision about that first date? I just think the whole idea of dating during a pandemic is whack. It just is. It's whack. There are so many things to worry about. Let's just go through the step-by-step process here of finding that first date. Okay, step one. Find a match online, right? You swipe right on somebody. Hopefully, they swipe right back. And that starts something, right? Okay, so step two. Now you can text with that person for a few days. Okay, you can start to get a feel of how you feel about that person through messaging. Okay, step three. Set up a video chat and do that one or two times. And and hopefully, you know, if you're doing it two times, that means you like the first one and maybe you're ready to go meet in person. Okay, step four. Decide to go on a date in person and then step five go on a date somewhere where you know you're in public you're outside okay so that was a five-step process just to get from finding that match to actually going on an outing as someone who likes very simple instructions already i gotta say that's just too many steps that is whack Okay, so you're on a date. Now what? You sit and you chat and you have a nice time. Where does it go from here? Well, now you have to make sure that you're both healthy, of course, obviously. You have to make sure that you're both comfortable getting a little bit closer beside each other on that park bench. You know, once you are on that first date, I'm sure it starts six feet apart. And then maybe, maybe if things go well, you can get a little bit closer. Then you have to decide, is it okay to go in for a smooch? Because guess what? Kissing sounds like a pretty easy way to spread this virus. In terms of kissing, yes, absolutely. This is a respiratory virus that spread through droplets. So yes, we've seen it with um, other diseases that can be spread this way. So yes, I would expect that if somebody was sick with it and they were kissing somebody else, they could actually quite effectively pass it on that way. Okay, so you had a nice date. It led to a first kiss. Things are going well. You go home, then what? Do you sit and wait and see if the other person, you know, got sick or you got sick from that person? And then if not, then you can plan a second date, right? I guess even if you were both sick, I mean, now you're sick together. That sounds like an ideal scenario. Okay, you like the person, either both of you are still healthy or whatever the case may be. But what if it doesn't go well? Then you got to go back through that five-step process. Oh, that is whack. Oh, there's just so much to think about. And there really are no guidelines for people to follow other than take your time, not be going through partners like wildfire, and hopefully you can find the one. It's a complicated world out there with some tough roads to navigate. I guess if you have found someone that you think may be a good partner, a good dating partner, then go for it. But if it doesn't work out, you can't just move along to the next available person. You can't just be doing that here in this COVID-19 world. Now, I'm not saying that people should be doing that anyways, regardless of a pandemic, but not everyone is compatible. And the fact that we basically have to take 10 plus days to set up a first date, and then what if it doesn't go well? Then I got to go through that another 10-step process to set up a second one. Well, I I just have one word for all of that. This has been That's Whack Wednesday. That's Whack Wednesday with Jeff Andreas. Yeah. 
Yeah, dating. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing at any point in time, let alone during a pandemic. So good luck to all you single people out there. Maybe you can find someone that uh, is willing to, to meet up with you in a park and go on a picnic or something that involves social distancing in some way, shape, or form. All right, well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know we enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here on Thursday at noon.